So God, I pray you take these words and you make them yours. God, I pray that you come and fill us with your Holy Spirit to be strong and courageous because you are with us. We thank you for that promise. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Well, good morning. My name is Annie Duncan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's great to be with all of you here as well as with you if you're watching online. I'm going to just kick off with a crazy story, and it's a part one and part two, so you'll get part one right now. Uh, in the fall of 2009, I was on an early morning run, and I decided to go on this trail that I'd never been on before, and I would never return to that trail again and you will soon find out why. I'm running in the woods, and I'm getting deeper and deeper into the woods, and I'm kind of realizing there's no one else out here with me. I am blazing this trail on my own. And I run even further into the woods, and all of a sudden I feel this gust of wind kind of fly over me. And immediately I see this big owl perch in a tree right in front of me. And I stop running, and I'm just standing there amazed. Because, one, I've never seen an owl so big, and two, I've never seen one so up close. So I check out the owl for a little bit as it's checking me out, and then I start running again, because I'm not there to bird watch, I'm there to run. So I keep on running, and uh, then I felt it buzz over me again, and this time it felt like it got a little closer but didn't really think anything of it, kept on running. And then it buzzed over me again and got as close as close can get. It latched on to my head, and it took my favorite blue bandana and flew away and perched in a tree right in front of me. Now, this had never happened to me before. And I didn't know what to do. When the owl was grabbing my head, out of instinct, I kind of hit the forest floor, and I whipped my hand out and kind of hit it. But I'm on the forest floor now looking up at the owl that's perching down looking at me, and I'm thinking, I don't know what to do in this situation. So I pick myself up and I brush myself off. The owl is still just staring me down. I don't want to turn and run because I'm afraid it will come after me again. So I just stand there and stare at it as it's staring at me. And the staring contest is on. And because I was running, I was timing my run, I know how long this staring contest lasted. <laughs> Ten minutes. Ten very long minutes of me looking at the owl and the owl looking at me. And I tried to win this staring contest by picking up some rocks and trying to cause a diversion to get the owl to fly off in the opposite direction. That did not work. I even tried yelling at the owl, What do you want from me? <laughs> that did not work either. So finally, which after seemed like forever, but was only 10 minutes, finally the owl flew off and I took off running in the opposite direction. And we will get to part two of that story in a moment. We are in week three of a series called Resume versus Eulogy, talking about the virtues that matter. Resume virtues are the ones that you'll list on your resume, the skills that you have in the workplace. Eulogy virtues, though, those are the ones that you're going to get remembered for. They're the ones that determine the kind of relationships you make. And the reality is that most of us have a better idea of what it takes to have these resume kind of virtues and skills than we do to kind of understand what it takes to develop our character. And with the amount of inf information that's at our fingertips, skills are easily obtained. For example, I can watch a one-minute tasty video and know how to make pad thai. But can you watch a one-minute video and learn how to be courageous? I don't think so. Just as we are intentional to acquire skills, we also need to be intentional about developing our character and these virtues that matter. And today we're going to look at two virtues, 
courage and vulnerability. And I'm pairing these two together because I don't think you can be vulnerable without being courageous, and I don't think you can be courageous without being vulnerable. I'm also pairing them together because I didn't want to be the token female pastor preaching on vulnerability. So today, we get courage and vulnerability. In the passage that John just read, we see God pass the mantle of authority from Moses to Joshua. And here's a few things that you need to know about Joshua. From the, mo the moment that the Israelites left Egypt, Joshua was at Moses' side. In Scripture, Joshua is referred to Moses' aide, his personal assistant, his servant, even his minister. So he was with Moses all the time. And when Moses dies, he's 120 years old. And when Joshua takes over, he's 70 years old. So Joshua, the Joshua that we know is going to storm around Jericho and bring the walls down, that Joshua is 70 years old before he even does some of those things. So at 70, things aren't coming to a close for him, but they are just picking up. Maybe there are some of you here in the congregation that need to hear that word. At 70, things are just starting to pick up the pace. So what does the story of Joshua teach us about courage, and what does vulnerability have to do with it? As we walk through the story of Joshua, I'm going to unpack, these, uh, unpack the many faces of courage with three points, and the first of this is this. You get courage by couraging. Theologian Mary Daly says that courage is like a habit. It's a virtue. You get it by courageous acts. It's like you learn to swim by swimming. You get courage by couraging. When I was a kid, my parents had to convince me to do everything because I was constantly scared of doing anything new. And we had this boat growing up, and one summer my dad bought a ski bob. And if you're a child of the 80s like I am, you know how amazing ski bobs were. They were so much fun, but not for eight-year-old Annie. Eight-year-old Annie was terrified of going on the ski bob. So it gets to be the end of the summer, and I have not gone on the ski bob yet, and my parents force me to ride on the ski bob. And we have this great picture of me holding on to the back handle, tears running down my face, absolutely terrified. My parents forced me to do it. That's not bad parenting. That's parents that knew that if they didn't force their daughter to do anything, she'd never do anything. So the picture that wasn't taken was the picture of me at the end of the ride with a huge smile on my face saying, let's do that again. That was so much fun. You get courage by couraging. You learn to ski bob by ski bobbing. So just as I gained courage by trying new things, Joshua developed his courage by continually being encouraged by Moses. Did you hear that? Encouraged. Sometimes we get courage by couraging because we are encouraged by those around us. And in the many years that Joshua was discipled by Moses, imagine the things that he saw. Imagine the things that he heard. Imagine what he learned. Courage was learned. In some of the final words Moses says to Joshua, he says this, be strong and courageous. Before God speaks these words to Joshua, Joshua hears them from Moses. Be strong and courageous. Strength and courage, two virtues that Joshua would have seen Moses display over and over again. Courage to cross the Red Sea. Strength to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So as Moses speaks these words to Joshua, be strong and courageous, Joshua, I'm sure Joshua didn't respond like, wait, how am I supposed to be strong? How am I supposed to do this? You've never showed me this, Moses. How am I supposed to do that? But I'm sure his response was one more of, yeah, okay, I can be strong. I can be courageous because, Moses, you've showed me how to do this. 
You've modeled it for me, and you've encouraged me to do it on my own. A few weeks ago, Scott Dudley was talking about how we should let millennials into our life, letting them see us succeed and fail and letting them see how we bring Jesus into the workplace or maybe how sometimes we forget to bring Jesus into the workplace. And Scott talked about how he asked some of the guys that he's mentoring what they'd want to be let in on in his life. And they responded by saying they want to know how he sits down to write a sermon. They want to shadow him in that. And they want to know what his morning routine looks like. Life on life, because we're wired for relationship. Joshua would have been able to tell you how Moses prepared for every speech he gave. And Joshua would have been able to tell you what Moses did in the wee hours of the morning. Because Moses let Joshua into his life. Because Joshua was discipled by Moses. So when Joshua hears these words, be strong and courageous, he understood them because Moses gave Joshua the opportunity to learn, just as God gave Moses the opportunity to learn. So you get courage by couraging. But Joshua wasn't called to have courage just for courage's sake, which brings us to our second point. Courage is a virtue that's for something. Courage helps us to do what we normally wouldn't do. Any Seinfeld fans out there? Just me? George Costanza explains his lack of courage to do something when he reasons why he won't call off his engagement. He says this, I'd rather be unhappy for the rest of my life than go through something like that. <laughs> Maybe some of you can resonate with George's sentiment. Courage is difficult. Acts of courage aren't meant to be easy, but acts of courage aren't for courage's sake. They are to help us accomplish things that we don't normally want to do in the first place, like call off an engagement or end an unhealthy relationship or ride a ski bob for the first time, or step into en enemy territory because God has called it and claimed it as yours. So God knows that Joshua is going to need courage, so he speaks to Joshua. Now, the first two times that Joshua hears the words, be strong and courageous, they come from his friend and mentor Moses. But the third time those words are spoken over Joshua, they come from God. So God speaks to Joshua in a way that he's already familiar with. And I just love that about God. God speaks to us in ways that we're going to understand. The very one that Joshua has spent so much time with and learned so much from, Moses, has just died. And God meets Joshua in the midst of his grief by speaking over him in a way that reminds him of his close friend and mentor. And God doesn't give Joshua a new commission but continues in the call that Moses had given him, be strong and courageous, but also gives him a why, why he needs to be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. God gives Joshua the why. Some of us are discouraged because we don't think we're brave. And this might be because courageous acts sometimes don't feel courageous. I think a lot of us here wouldn't call ourselves courageous because we have this mental model in place that says to be courageous means we are superhuman. But courage isn't just for superheroes. Courage is for those everyday acts when we need an extra push. So what does everyday, ordinary courage look like? This is where I get to start talking about vulnerability. Vulnerability is what courage feels like. I really love and respect the work of Dr. Brené Brown. She's a research professor, and she spent the past 13 years studying vulnerability, courage, worthiness, and shame. In her books, The Gifts of Imperfectionism, she talks about courage and how it pairs with vulnerability. And she says this in her book, The root of the word courage is core, the Latin word for heart. 
In one of its earliest forms, the word courage had a very different definition than it does today. Courage originally meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Over time, this definition has changed, and today, courage is more synonymous with being heroic. Heroics is important, and we certainly need heroes, but I think we've lost touch with the idea that speaking honestly and openly about who we are and about what we're feeling and about our experiences, good and bad, is the definition of courage. Heroics is often putting our life on the line. Ordinary courage is about putting our vulnerability on the line. And in today's world, that's pretty extraordinary. So point number three is this. Ordinary courage is about putting our vulnerability on the line. It's when we open ourselves up to the possibility of getting hurt or even misunderstood. And when we pay attention to this definition of courage, we see it every day. It's the student in this congregation that challenged their teacher when given an assignment that discredited his belief in God. Or a student that raises their hand saying, I am totally lost, can you explain that again? Or, or it's seeing a coworker fall apart, and instead of judging them, it's empathizing with them and saying, yeah, I've been there too, you are not alone, let me know if you want to talk. Or it's my 90-year-old grandma, after being married to my grandpa for 70 years, having to learn how to live life without him after he died. Those are all courageous acts, when courage meets vulnerability. So remember my owl story. If you don't, I don't know how you missed it, because I talked about getting attacked by an owl. Well, after that incident, I was pretty shook up, and I didn't run as much as I used to. I used to run every day, and I, I just started to be very afraid to go outside. I had this irrational fear that an owl was lurking around every corner waiting to attack me. And when you say it out loud like that, it sounds ridiculous. But fear has a way of making that seem very real and a possibility. So courage and vulnerability was me saying to some of my closest friends, hey, I'm afraid that an owl is going to attack me. What do I do? Help. <laughs> Weirdest sentence I've ever said. But they helped me. I recently told a friend that she was the bravest person I've ever met. And she was confused and said, how can you say I'm brave when I feel so broken? Courage isn't so much about what we do, but it's more the way that we do it. And sometimes to move forward, even when we feel completely broken, is one of the most courageous things that we can do. That's ordinary courage, putting vulnerability on the line. Today is June 5th, and three years ago, a sweet angel was brought into this world. His name was Noah Hudson Butler, and I'm totally going to cry, but that's okay. One of my best friends is his mom. And he was on this earth for 13 days. And it's Noah's mom that has taught me what it looks like to have ordinary, everyday courage. She's taught me what it looks like to live wholeheartedly and honestly. And less than a month after Noah died, she started a blog called Rainbows for Noah. And these are what she calls her unedited feelings. They are her courageous words from her very first blog entry. And she says this, Welcome to my blog. Frankly, I wish I weren't here. I wish there wasn't a blog based on the loss of my baby, my son, my Noah. I wish there didn't have to be any blog created because of the loss of anyone's baby, period. But we're here. And I'm determined that even in this awful, tragic, heartbreaking time, God is working for good because he must. 
This mama's heart refuses to let her son's life legacy be anything otherwise. Is what happened good or even anywhere in the realm of good? Hell no. And I believe that my God feels the same. I know he's as pissed off as I am and more so. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. It is my desire that this blog, these simple words on a computer screen, will somehow bring healing, comfort, and hope to each person who stumbles upon them. And I pray to me too. Maybe I'll post every day, maybe I won't. But what is for sure is I will share my heart, my questions, my joy, my confusion, my pain, and my Jesus. I would love for you to join me as we journey through this mess of loss. It may not always be pretty, but it is real. This is what loss looks like from here. Noah's mom, one of the most courageous women I know. And her words have done exactly what she hoped they would do. They have given hope and healing to so many that have read them. And when we see others have the courage to be vulnerable and to live wholehearted lives, we ourselves are given permission to also go there, to also be vulnerable. That's ordinary courage at its best, when people share what's on their hearts. It may not be the heroic crossing of a river or a battle at war that's won, but owning our story and who we are in the process is the bravest thing we will ever do. So I have no grand finale story of hero courage to sum up this sermon. You know, the kind where I run into a burning house to save four kittens. You're not going to hear that story here because that's not ordinary courage and the world needs more people with ordinary courage. Bell Press needs more ordinary people with ordinary courage because everyday courage is how we respond to God's nudges. Instead of saying, hey, I'll pray for you about that, it's saying, hey, let's pray about that together right now. Ordinary courage is, is about how we live our lives, and it starts by showing up, letting ourselves be seen just as we are. Now, knowing that, some of us would rather run into a burning building, but I challenge you all to have this kind of ordinary courage because ordinary courage is the courage that we've been equipped with because we have a God that says to us, I am with you always. To Joshua, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. For those of us that call upon God, we know that courage is a virtue that's God-given. We can be brave because of the one that goes before us, behind us, and beside us. We can be courageous because we know that God is with us always. So Joshua is known for so many heroic acts, but one, of, but one ordinary courage moment is found when he's hanging out with Moses. On any given day, Joshua would follow Moses around all day long, and sometimes that meant accompanying Moses into the tent of meeting, where Moses would meet with God. And in Exodus 33, it tells us that in the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And I find this fascinating because scripture goes to great lengths to tell us how Joshua would follow Moses around everywhere, but not so in this case. He followed Moses into the tent, but did not follow him out. And I wonder what was going on that would cause Joshua not to not leave. Maybe he sat there in awe, just being in God's presence. Maybe he had a conversation with God himself. 
Whatever was going on, Joshua was clearly being filled, filled with God's spirit, filled with strength, filled with courage. And it took an ordinary act of courage to say to Moses, you go on ahead. I'm going to stay right here. So you get courage by couraging. And courage isn't just for courage's sake, but courage helps us to do things that we wouldn't normally otherwise do. And ordinary courage is about putting ourselves out there, putting our vulnerability on the line. So this week, how can you do that? How can you exercise courage by couraging? And what is it that courage is prompting you to do? And where in your life can you develop some ordinary courage? And in a moment, we're going to take communion together. And this is the time when Jesus comes to us, when God sent Jesus, his son, in a courageous and vulnerable act to be with us, to dwell among us. And during communion, there will be prayer that's available. And a very courageous act is to go up to a prayer minister and simply ask for prayer. Because it says, I can't do this on my own. And we're not meant to do life on our own. We are meant to be in relationship with each other and with God. So hear God's charge to Joshua one more time and hear it for yourself. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a promise for Joshua and it's a promise for us today. We can be courageous with anything that we face because God is with us. So God, we thank you for your promise we thank you that you are always with us and that you don't call us to be filled with strength and courage on our own, but you fill us with strength and courage because you equip us with those things. So nudge us, God, when we need an extra push and help us to live wholeheartedly for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.